Well, it's been an extraordinary couple of weeks uh, as the world watches a soccer team of stranded boys and their coach stuck in a cave and, you know, this plan of how, how to get them out. And, you know, slowly, methodically, they have been rescued in the dark, very uncertain territory, flooded caves. And to say to say the mission was literally against all odds is an understatement because it's been nothing short of an actual miracle to see each boy uh, brought out. And they've been brought out by these teams of um, rescue teams of diving experts, doctors, scientists, military. And each boy was taken out using two divers that helped each boy through these tiny, tiny, tiny little water-filled passageways with all sorts of bends and twists and ups and downs and some boys who could swim, some who could not. None of them had any training of how to take in air in an air tank. And then you add in all the hunger, the weakness, fear. So a very sensitive, delicate, dangerous operation. And they pulled it off. One tragedy, of course, with a diving expert who is trying to help. But what has happened in Thailand, I think, is a real game changer. Let's bring in Derek Snowdy because he's a diver with over 20 years experience trained as a, a master wreck search and recovery and rescue diver. And he joins us now. Derek, you've got an awful lot of um, experience with uh, risky-type diving. When you look back at what was, I guess, essentially pulled off in this rescue, um, how do you sum it up? There, there really are no uh, parables. There are no ways to say this is what uh, this is like. What it would be. Um, this is truly a cold fusion science of success. Um, the closest analogy that you can get uh, for something this monumental is that uh, if I took you out at 7 o'clock on a, uh, on a Monday morning and I taught you how to rock wall climb a 10-foot wall at the local Y, mm-hmm. by 5 o'clock you're going to be climbing Mount Everest with a blindfold. Wow. And this is something that's never been attempted. Um, the scale, the magnitude, and, and the science behind what has been poured into this is something that has just never been done before. And it, it, it will be discussed in technical journals, in uh, publications, uh, documents, papers for years to come. It will be closely analyzed, closely discussed. Uh, and there's some very interesting tells in this entire project that will also come up for debate and discussion. Like what? Uh, at some point in time, I'm sure that everybody got together and had different models of how this uh, of how this rescue would go, and uh, eventually somebody made an executive decision to advance uh, a rescue attempt. And what was telling to some people, sort of observing from the outside, and me included, observing from the outside, was the immediate request to move media mm-hmm. back and far away. Um, and that told us, uh, a lot of us, that they were going to take a chance and that there was uh, a probability that they did not expect everyone to come out of there alive. Right. And what they did not want is they didn't want to do that in full view of the world. But uh, the conditions were such that they were going to make that decision and take that risk uh, based on all the available information and the, the absolute complete science project uh, that this was. Yeah, and they made that decision. I mean, we were hearing it would be possibly four months before they got these boys out. But they acted very quickly after a very experienced diver had died doing uh, the work of getting these boys out. So for them to make that decision, 
Um, was that like a Russian roulette decision where they thought, you know, we've got to get as many out as we can? Or did they, you know, was it risky taking that chance? Well, I think you have to look at the, really the science and, and the technical aspects uh, of what was an evolving uh, fluid dynamic situation. Um, you know, you had a very experienced uh, diver who, who did pass away in the, in the caves um, who was working at, at an extremely high rate. Um, when you look at where these dives are, this is not a standing bar of water. This, there's some hydrology yeah. here. This is a temporary water that's also flowing because it's filling. Um, this is also an altitude situation, altitude diving, um, which is different from a sea level uh, diving. This, this mountaintop is uh, about 4,500 feet tall. The cave entrance is about 3,000 feet below that, which puts us at about 1,500 feet above sea level. So there's a uh, a less atmospheric pressure to start with. Uh, as you go in, the science behind how your body metabolizes uh, and processes gases in your tissues mm-hmm. become an issue. The oxygen uh, level in the confined spaces was dropping, but as water levels come and go, that could fluctuate as well. Um, you know, and it's wildly speculative uh, at this point, but most likely uh, you had a situation of hypoxia for that diver. Right and either went into some sort of high-altitude pulmonary edema or cerebral edema that uh, caused them to black out and essentially then run out of air and drown. And yet these boys that, you know, who had basically no swimming experience, certainly no diving experience, and then in the end they decided that they would give them sedatives to calm them down um, for their breathing. That also was pretty risky. Well, adrenaline is not your friend under pressure. Um, especially, uh, you know, in, in, a, in a situation where you're conserving breathable gas. Um, I'll be very interested later to see what uh, types of breathable gas were used. We don't know the size of the water, whether it created atmospheric pressures or not, which would have had uh, time limits and constraints on some gases being uh, used for breathing gas. Um, putting these children in a full face mask, of course, so they couldn't panic and drop a regulator, mm-hmm. also adds to challenges of changing uh, breathing gas cylinders. Uh, we did hear a lot of uh, media reports um, triggering uh, sort of attention to detail, as it were, reportedly moving around oxygen cylinders. Now, oxygen is toxic under pressure. So the idea that these people were carrying oxygen cylinders to breathe, uh, highly doubtful, <laughs> but oxygen to charge, uh, to charge other breathing gases highly likely, and depending on the depth and what was determined to be the atmospheric pressures for diving, uh, oxygen could have been used at certain stages, two divers per boy, mm-hmm. uh, one controlling uh, the gas uh, and one to follow along. Um, all of those things that are led to the science behind what these kids were doing uh, really goes to show how much was done to manage them as well as the technical aspects behind it. Well, no question. Uh, this was a big test for the Thai government um, on, on, on major and massive rescue, and they seem to have passed. Uh, unfortunately, they lost one, but I think all, uh, you know, looking at this now, um, it was a, a, a staggering task that they carried out. Without question, and that is another uh, major Herculean uh, effort of coordination um, that really has to be looked at and appreciated and respected. You had international uh, rescue uh, personnel coming in. Uh, there is behind the scenes of that uh, a political aspect where you're clearing and authorizing foreign, uh, in some cases, foreign active military personnel to enter a sovereign country mm-hmm. uh, to, to work. 
you have other people making uh, considerations, travel arrangements for people internationally coming in. Um, and then once you get there, there's all sorts of things you have to agree upon. And everybody seemed to have come together without question. Yeah, and that means agreeing upon the parameters of the equipment that you're using, the dive tables, the computers, um, what algorithms are being used to process uh, time, uh, saturation, gas mixes, yeah. dive profiles, that sort of thing. And there are little things that you have to remember um, that we take for granted in some cultures that are, that are even different in that translation interpretation aspect. You're dealing with a dozen 12-year-old boys who don't speak English as a first language, and, and some of them don't speak English at all. There are uh, divers communicate with hand signals and gestures. Um, some of those mean certain things uh, to us. Um, when you're diving, it's, it's a form of sign language. And in the West, we have certain uh, hand gestures that mean different things. Uh, for example, the clearest example is uh, the sign for OK underwater, which is closing your finger and your thumb together to form an OK and holding it out. Mm. Um, you know, uh, that's actually a, a hand gesture in Thailand for a negative dismissive act. So even sending signals and learning, you would have to work with sure. the original Thai divers to make sure that they were the primary contact. Um, and there was lots of people to pull together. I believe a Calgary company uh, was the company the Thai government used to map the cave system. Right. Well, staggering and lots of celebrations. Maybe not for the coach after uh, today, but nonetheless, he'll have to answer for his uh, actions, I guess, well, in the coming know, days. Well, it's not the first time they've been in there uh, as, a, as a football team. Yeah. Um, and uh, at the end of the day, you have a coach that stayed with those 12 boys and brought 12 boys home. Yeah. So, uh, you know, he, he's probably not in as much uh, grief as a lot of people think. There you go. Derek, thanks so much for the insight. No problem. You have a great day, Alex. That is Derek Snowdy joining us with some perspective. Interesting to see how moving forward uh, this is implemented into other rescues around the world, but great news, really nice news to wake up to.